morning, church. Glad to say that and actually look at it and see people again. It's just great. So, if you have your Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. If you need a Bible, these guys have had some in their hands, and they'll bring one right to your seat so you can follow along with us. We are going to pray first, and then I'll tell you what verse we're going to study this morning. Hi. Where are you going? I'm just on a guitar. All right. Break a string? I did. All right. We're going to pray first, and as we do pray, as you guys all well know, we need to be praying for our country. We need to be praying for this, uh, all the turmoil that's going on. We need to pray for peaceful protesting. We need to pray for people that have lost their businesses either due to the virus or the rioting and, and uh, definitely be praying for our president, praying for our land and and definitely praying for this study this morning and you'll see why. So let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you for this time this morning that we could spend together in your word, knowing Holy Spirit, you are here to teach us what you have for us from your word today. And so, Father, we pray that we would have open ears to receive all that you have for us, we do want to remember to pray for our country. Lord, would you bring repentance first and foremost? That's what what is needed so much in this country, that people would turn from their sin and they would turn to you and start looking to you for salvation and for peace. Lord, we pray for peace for our nation. We pray for those, again, that have lost their businesses due to the riots or the virus. And uh, we do pray for President Trump. You give him wisdom. Lord, bring godly men, continue to bring godly men and women around him that can give him the godly, godly counsel, Lord. And we pray for revival in our land. And, and Lord, we pray this morning as we dig in your word for this message that you've given us to look at today. Father, that we had open hearts to receive all that you have to say to us this morning. Lord, we also pray if there's anyone that has joined us that is yet to come into the saving knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, most of all, that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. So bless our time together. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, here it is. We're looking at verse 18. Ouch. Wives, submit to your own husbands as fitting in the Lord. That's why it's a good idea we prayed first. (laughs) The title of my message this morning is God's Word to Wives. You know, in this last generation, this one verse has seemed to cause more problems within churches than any other verse. But I would say also this one verse that is ignored more than any other verse, and as a result has caused great problems in marriages today. So we're not going to ignore it. We're not going to skip over it. Rather, we're going to seek to understand it and apply it to our lives this morning. Because God has a plan for the husband and wife relationship, and it's a good plan because God is good, God is merciful, God is all wise. Now, understanding God's plan and following God's plan is a pathway to marital bliss, 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 and a part of will wisdom. <laughs> I don't have a speech impediment. But ignoring God's plan can be dangerous, or distorting God's plan. It's foolish. It's disastrous. There's no doubt marriages today have fallen on hard times. Happily married couples are an oddity. 
For Christians, that does not have to be so. Because it's not what you expect of your marriage partner that's important, but it's what God's Word says, uh, what He expects of you. And it really all comes back down to the question that each one needs to answer when it, come, when it comes to having a successful marriage. Are we going to allow the sec, uh, secular culture in which we're living in today tell us how we are to have a marriage and a family? Or are we going to look to God's Word and think biblically and go against the flow of what's popular thinking today? I read a story about a man who sees on the news a crazy driver going down the wrong side of the highway and he phones his wife on her way home to warn her of the driver. And she answers and he says, Be careful, honey, some idiot is driving down the wrong side of the highway. His wife responds, Not just one, there's hundreds driving down the wrong side of the highway. Again, I pray that as we do this brief series on marriage, that we would choose to go against the flow of a lot of popular thinking today. Listen, our culture has been pulled into the sway of today's self-centered, self-indulged, me-first way of thinking. And it's that lifestyle that we as Christians need to have nothing to do with, to, to get away from that stuff. See, because the bottom line is if we persist in it, it's only going to result in marital misery. So this morning we're going to focus on the role of the wife in the Christian marriage. Next week will be the husband's turn. And then on Father's Day, it's working out just great. We're going to talk about children. So I like the way the Lord has done this. Now, before you tune out, just because you've already been married a while or the kids are gone, or because you are single, let me say this. We all need to know what God's Word says about these things. Because we never know when the situation might change, so we need to be prepared. We never know who God is going to bring into our lives that He wants us to be able to minister to. Be it friends, or our children, or grandchildren, or our family, the co-worker that might be struggling in their marriage. You need to learn what God's Word has to say to help encourage them. On top of all that, the principles mentioned here do apply to other areas of our lives. Now, we're just going to look at the role of the wife and specifically this one word that particularly bothers people, especially some wives, and you already know what that word is. It's the word submission. You know, when people talk about submission, some women picture Jabba the Hutt when Princess Leah, you know, and he's laying there and all this flubbered, bulky, worm-like thing, and, and she's chained to this thing around her neck. Very disgusting. But it's good reason people like that think that way because some men have actually treated their wives in that fashion. And they've held this scripture over their heads, you know, to force them to do things that were not biblical and sometimes even criminal. That's why Paul does say here, though, wives submit to your own husbands as fitting in the Lord. And he says it again in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, there would be those that would immediately say, well, that was for that culture at that time, and it really doesn't apply to us today. That's old-fashioned, that's sexist. And they don't want to get into the submission stuff because it's not the view that our culture wants to accept or propagate. But as we look to the Scriptures, again, we'll see the role of the husband and the wife, and we need to realize the world is not going to understand it. But we as believers, we must understand it. We must grasp it, and we must put it into practice we must obey it if we want to have effective, strong marriages. Now, if you're taking notes, we're going to see three things this morning. What comes before submission, number one. Number two, what submission is not. And we'll close with what submission is. Number one, what comes before submission? 
There's a lot of misunderstanding on the subject of the wife's role in the marriage, specifically this part about submitting to her husband. And, and so for that reason, we need to back up. And what comes before verse 18, all the way back to verse 14. Look at verses 14 through 18. Paul writes, But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and that the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit your own husbands as fitting in the Lord. See, before there's anything said about submission, we're told four things. First and foremost, we're told to put on love. Notice it doesn't say make sure you fall in love. That's the key to marital bliss. No. Or that you always are in a state of marital bliss. You know, you hear people say, well, I just don't love her anymore. I just don't love him anymore. Well, that's your fault because you're not doing what the Bible tells you to do. Put on love. It's up to you. Because love is not just an emotion. It's an action word. It's something we're to do. Put on love. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 5.2, And walk in love, just as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. See, the Christian life is designed to reproduce godliness as modeled by our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, and whose, whose image believers have been recreated through new birth, through being born again. And the most important aspect of reflecting the character of God is to walk in love, just as Christ loved us. To put on love is a bond of perfection. So before we stress out with what God says specifically to a woman about submission, let's remember we are to all imitate God and walk in love. Secondly, we're to let the peace of God rule our hearts. Look at verse 15. And let the peace of God rule your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. See, understand in a marriage relationship, the person you are married to, that's your brother in the Lord. That's your sister in the Lord. And we're called to live at peace with each other as brothers and sisters. Lord doesn't like it when brothers and sisters fight among each other any more than a parent likes to see their kids fighting among each other. Ephesians 4.26 tells us, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. See, if you you know, go to bed angry with your husband or go to bed angry with your wife, you're giving the devil a foothold in your life. He has sown that root of bitterness into your life, so when you wake up in the morning, it continues to grow and grow. That's the reason God's Word says, Deal with the matters before you go to bed. I would say deal with them way before you go to bed because the later it gets, the more irritated you become. You see, so that's the reason God says settle your matters before you go to bed. So in your home, before there's any talk of submission, we're to put on love, let the peace of God rule our hearts. Then thirdly, let the Word of God penetrate our lives. First step for a godly marriage, God has got to be number one in your lives. Serving the Lord with all your heart, with all your life, to know and have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can't do that unless you spend time in His Word, hearing it and heeding it and hiding it, as we talked about last week. And the natural outflow of what you take in is going to be that love towards one another 
and verse 16. You're going to be admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know, if you spend time in God's Word and you're praying and you're just seeking the Lord and God just speaks to your heart, the result is an outflowing of His Holy Spirit. You're going to be being kind to one another. You're going to be singing love songs to Jesus. Oh, this song and just praising the Lord. So we're to put on love. We're to let the peace of God rule our hearts. We'll let the Word of God penetrate our lives. And the fourth thing we're to do before we even begin to look at this word submission, what it means is we need to submit to one another in the fear of God. Submit to one another in the fear of God. Paul writes this in Ephesians 5, 20 and 21, that we are to be giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Listen, guys, husbands, don't be talking to your wife about submitting to you unless you first read what becomes before that verse that precedes it. There needs to be a mutual submission one to another. It's interesting to note that before a word is said to the wives, the husbands and wives are first told to submit to one another in the fear of God. You don't often hear that. You know, wives, submit to your husbands. Yeah, that's right. The Bible teaches that. But the Bible also teaches that, that husbands are to submit to their wives. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not to imply that a husband's submission to his wife abdicates his responsibility of leadership in the home. But it just explains what this is really all about. See, this word submit means to, to get an order under something, to get, get an order under something. It's a military term. To rank beneath or to rank under. Another way it could be translated is to support one another in the fear of God. Husbands, wives, support one another in the fear of God. Husbands, your biggest fan, your, your greatest admirer should be your wife. And wives, your, your biggest fan, your greatest admirer should be your husband. You should be supporting one another in the reverence of God. And guys, you need to support your wife and hold her up. And wives, you need to do the same for your husband. Always willing to meet each other's needs, to sacrifice your own desires to fulfill each other's needs. You need to do this for each other. We're all to be submitting at some point. Wives are called to submit to the loving leadership of their husband, and husbands are to bow to the needs of their wives. It's not about superiority. It's not about inferiority. It's about sacrifice. It's about love. Imitating God. Another scripture that shows the mutual submission that is to take place between a husband and a wife, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 3 and 4, where it says, Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. There it is again. It's a partnership. And when it comes to, to, to sexual intimacy, husband, you can't say, you need to submit to me, wife. And wife, you can't say, well, husband, you need to submit to me. It's wife, what can I do to meet your needs? What can I do to help you to meet where you're at? Husband, what can I do to meet your needs? Because again, it's a partnership. You are in a partnership together. Submit to one another in the fear of God. Support each other in the reverence of God. It's been said marriage is when you agree to spend the rest of your life sleeping in a room that's too warm besides someone who's sleeping in a room that's too cold. And I can really relate to that. I mean, I don't know if it's my blood thinners or what, but man, you know, I'm freezing all the time and, and Lisa's got the air conditioning down to minus 40 and the fan going. I'm like, <laughs> it's going to be a difference. We're different. 
Reminds me of an email that I've read that I might have shared before, but I like it anyway, so I'm going to share it again. It's called The Perfect Story. There's a perfect man who met a perfect woman after a perfect courtship. They had a perfect wedding. The life together was, of course, perfect. One snowy, stormy Christmas Eve, this perfect couple was driving along a winding road when they noticed someone at the roadside in distress. Being the perfect couple, they stopped to help. There stood Santa Claus with a huge bundle of toys. Not wanting to disappoint any children on the eve of Christmas, the perfect couple loaded Santa and his toys into their vehicle. Soon they were driving along delivering the toys. Unfortunately, the driving conditions deteriorated, and the perfect couple and Santa Claus had an accident. Only one of them survived the accident. Who was the survivor? Answer from the woman's perspective, the perfect woman. She's the only one that really existed in the first place. Everyone knows there's no Santa Claus and there's no such thing as a perfect man. A male's response, so if there's no perfect man and there's no Santa Claus, the perfect woman must have been driving. This explains why there was a car accident. <laughs> Listen, and we'll get to this when we look at what God says to the husband. But the husband no more possesses his wife than she possesses him. He's not superior and she's not inferior and she's not superior and he's not inferior. You belong to each other. Therefore, when God calls a woman to submit to the leadership of the man, this is not saying that the woman is any less than the man because she isn't. Paul even clarifies that force in Galatians 3.28. When he writes, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, even though there is no difference between men and women in their basic standing before God, there is a principle of authority in the family that we must grasp. God, in speaking to through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.3, makes it quite clear when he says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and listen, he says, and the head of Christ is God. Now, some ladies have a real problem with that. What do you mean the, the head of every woman is man? I don't like the sound of that. But before you complain about that, look what else it says. It says when God says the head of Christ is God. What does that mean when it says the head of Christ is God? Well, the Bible tells us there's a holy trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God. And they're all equal. The Son is just as much God as the Father is. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Son is. They are the trinity. But at the same time, though they are co-equal and co-eternal, the Bible teaches that God the Father is the head of God the Son. Not in essence or in nature, but in function. See, when Jesus walked this earth in his ministry, we see that he was subservient to the Father. He looked to the Father. He, he submitted to the wishes of the Father. Though he was equal with the Father, he placed himself in that position. And though the husband and the wife are equal in their standing before God, in order for the family to function in harmony, the woman with no loss of dignity takes that place of submission to the headship of her husband. God's design is that the wife respect help and show obedience to her husband. And then that's matched by the husband's respect and, and leadership towards his wife as they together submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, one and another. Now understand, I'm a man in authority. I'm a man under authority. I have to answer to God first and foremost. I have an executive board of elders that I meet with that I have to answer to. But we also have within this church, we have elders and men's leadership here at this church that I meet with, men of God that, that are placed under my authority to help with the spiritual needs of this church. So I'm a man with authority, a man in authority, and I think any man with half a brain 
will, will, will greatly value what his wife has to say. I don't stand around at my house and bark out orders to my wife. Why? Because I want to live. No. <laughs> no, because I recognize that, that we are a partnership in our marriage. I seek her input. In the same way, the wife needs to be aware of how she presents things to her husband. The most wounding thing that a woman can do to a man is to regularly point out his faults and failings and to criticize him on a daily basis, to question his every move because a man's desire is to make his wife happy. You see, just as you can't handle his insensitivity and his harshness, in the same way he can't handle your criticism. And the problem is that most women think that they can change their husband by pointing out their faults and where they have failed. But let me tell you right up front, you can't. I'm not saying that it's impossible for him to change, but you are not going to be the one that does it. In fact, no human can change another human. Only God can. Because God changes our hearts, not just our outward actions. So if, if there's truly something that your husband is doing that is driving you completely nuts, have him committed. No. Have him committed to prayer. Let me finish that. Have him committed to prayer. Commit him to prayer. Pray for him day in and day out because that's where God answers those prayers and God changes hearts. You know, I respect the wisdom that God has given my wife. I'll ask her, so what do you think about certain things? And many times, in many situations, you know, I'll be going in a certain direction and she'll point out something that I just did not see. And she'll bring it to my attention and I'll go, wow, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Okay, let's not go this route, let's go this way. In most situations, I've not had to say, no, no, you know what, you're kind of wrong there. I'm the one who's in lead. I'm the one who's in charge. No, we work out it together, a solution, and we move forward together. Now, there have been a few occasions, not very many, where I've just said, no, I, I know what you're saying, but this is what we're going to do. And I was right, of course, no. <laughs> it could be possible that I was wrong, and I've been wrong. Some decision, maybe. I can't think of any. No. <laughs> No, talk to my wife. She'll, she'll let you know. But that's why I seek her wisdom. And any wise husband would do the same who knows anything about life. Describing the woman of virtue in Proverbs 31, 24 through 28, the Bible says this, She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She's clothed with strength and dignity, and she lasts without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise. And she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. Why would you not want listen? Why would you not want to listen to a Proverbs 31 wife like that? What a blessing she is. But you see, for, for that to be the case, there has to be structure in the family. There has to be order. This is not an option. Now, this brings us to our second point. Number one, what comes before submission? Number two, what submission is not? Now, we've looked at this briefly already. And the first one is submission is not merely a concept for women. It's a concept for all believers. It's the way God has set up his plan for living at peace with each other. It's not an option. Again, he said, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders 
Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So submission is not just for women, it's for all. You know, we have in our culture people who are in authority over us that we have to submit to. We have a system of law that we have elected officials. We have those who enforce the law that we have to submit to those laws. Now, we may not always agree with everything that they do, but if they if we do away with the structure, then we're just going to have chaos. And sadly, we're seeing a lot of that in our country and our world today. Now, let me say this. There are those that should not be in the police force today. That's clear. It's clear uh, by their actions. Anyone that can put a knee on a man's neck for nine minutes while the man is handcuffed face down on the pavement saying, I can't breathe, that man should not be in law enforcement. A crime was committed, justice should be served, and anyone that would stand by and watch a crime like that being committed should have justice as well. Now, I'm in no way justifying what this police officer did, but think about this. When you look at the statistics, in 2018, there were 686,665 full-time law enforcement officers employed in the United States. Now, I don't know of any company with 686,665 full-time employees that you're not going to have a few bad eggs. I mean, there will always be people in jobs that shouldn't be put in those jobs. They're just not cut out for it. They shouldn't be there. But that doesn't discredit the whole corporation. There's a lot of good, God-fearing, well-trained police officers that work very, very hard to keep our community safe that should be respected and thanked for their service and not harassed or disrespected whom we should submit to when asked. And no way does this man's crime justify all the looting and rioting that has gone on as a result. But I see a much bigger problem in our world today than a few bad police officers and rioters. Here's a problem that I see, and I read this quote recently, and I liked it. It's sin, not skin. And the answer is always the same. It's grace, not race. It's, it's repenting and turning to the one who died for the whole world, Jesus Christ. Oh, oh our nation needs Jesus Our nation needs to repent of its sin. There should be more uprising over all the abortions committed in our nation than one man being murdered, not to take that lightly. But look at the the thousands upon thousands of aborted babies that we have today. So I'm praying for repentance for our nation. I'm praying for one last revival before Jesus comes back. But when it comes to submission, the Bible clearly tells us in 1 Peter 2, verses 13 and 14, Therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do good. That word translated ordinance simply means creation or institution. It doesn't mean, however, each and every individual law. Peter is saying, submit to the institutions that make and enforce the laws. As much as possible, we need to seek to cooperate with the government and obey the laws, but we must never allow the law to make us violate or disobey God's word. Now understand, it's possible to submit to the offices and institutions and yet also disobey the laws when those laws contradict the Bible. 
A great example of this, Daniel chapter 6. There was a law enacted, a signed decree that read, any man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except King Darius shall be cast into the den of lions. So what does Daniel do? Daniel 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. He didn't change a thing. Continued to pray the way he always prayed. No law was going to stop Daniel from praying to the Lord. Another great example of this is found in Acts chapter 5 when Peter is preaching and he's arrested for preaching. He was warned not to preach again in the name of Christ and released. Now Peter obviously went back out preaching some more. When he was arrested the second time, they say, hey, didn't we tell you not to preach? And I love Peter's reply in Acts 5.29. He says, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Listen, if the government tells me I have to pay higher taxes, I have to pay higher taxes. I will submit to the authority that's over me. If the government tells me I have to drive 65, I should drive 65. Pray for me on that one. (laughs) If the government tells me there's a curfew between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m., I'm going to stay indoors. I will obey, submit to those in authority over me. If the government tells me to quarantine for a time to help spread, stop spreading the, the, the virus, I will listen. I will submit to those in authority over me. But if the government ever told me to stop preaching, that's where I draw the line. I will still be here, as we always do, preaching week after week after week. And, and, and whether you're here or not, it will go online, but, but it's going to go out. And if the government tells me what I can and can't preach from God's word, I will disobey the government. I will break that law. But listen, I will do it with the most utmost respect. And if I'm arrested, I will go peaceably. I will not resist arrest. You know, whenever you read about Peter being arrested or the other apostles, we never read of them kicking their feet or hitting an arresting officer or resisting arrest. Why is that? Because God is concerned about our witness to the world. And when it comes to obeying the government and respecting those in authority, we're to do so in the best way that represents our Lord and King. Now, I've never accepted joyfully a traffic ticket. I will answer kindly and politely and respectfully to the officer that pulled me over. And then afterwards tell my wife how unfair it was and it wasn't right and I shouldn't have got the ticket. But I will pay my fine and I will, you know, try to be more careful to obey the laws and and hopefully there isn't a next time. But we're to be obedient to the law because we are giving a testimony. We should be living testimonies. The Lord wants us to be good witnesses. Peter says this in 1 Peter 2.15, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. In other words, when we do good, it silences those who want to talk bad about us. That word silence there that Peter uses is the word to muzzle. It has the idea of a muzzling, a barking dog. When we submit ourselves to the institutions that God has placed under it, us under it, and it has a way of, of taking away their thunder. We may not always appreciate what they're asking us to do. But here's the question that comes up. What if that were Jesus asking us to do the same thing? Now this brings us back to the husbands and the wives and submitting one to another. You know, maybe your husband says, Honey, I'm really hungry. Can you fix me a sandwich? Now, do you say, uh, you know, get it yourself. Do I look like your slave? 
But let's say there's a knock on the door. Who is it? It's Jesus. If you hear me knock, open the door. I'll come in and dine with you. And the Lord comes into your kitchen. And he says, you know, I'm a little bit hungry. Do you think you can fix me something? What would you say? Oh, you betcha. What would you like? Man, not just Weber's bread. I'll make you homemade. In fact, I'm going to call it Bobby Faye. Bobby, what's the best recipe I can make? Jesus is here. Why? You'd want to do the very best for him. Why? Because he's Jesus and you'll love him. That's what Paul is saying. Submit unto your husband as unto the Lord. When you as a wife submit to your husband, it's reality. It's an act of submission to Jesus Christ. In fact, we're told in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. For all of us, it's unto the Lord. Not just for the wives. All that we do should be for the glory of God. Let me tell you, if you start living this way, living everything for the glory of God, your life is going to change. You know, you, you do your job for the glory of God. Go to school for the glory of God. Maybe you're managing a company, working with people. Do it all for the glory of God. Whatever your task is, do it for God's glory. So submission is not merely a concept for women. It's a concept for all believers. Next, and what submission is not, submission does not mean the wife becomes a slave. Doesn't become a slave. Oh, good. She's, she's fixing me my sandwich. She's doing this under the Lord. So wife, now do this and this and this and this. No, she's not your slave. In fact, as a wife, you are the helper. And this goes all the way back to the beginning in the book of Genesis when God created uh, the, the woman. She, she created him to be his helpmate. To come alongside a helper, not a slave. The marriage relationship is not master-slave. It's a partnership. It's a team. I love the way Wayne Mack puts it in his book, puts it in his book, Strengthening Your Marriage. He says, submission means that she sees herself as a part of her husband's team. She's not her husband's opponent fighting at a cross, at cross purposes or trying to outdo him. She's not merely an individual going her separate way. She's her husband's teammate striving for the same goal. She has ideas, opinions, desires, requests, and insights. And she lovingly makes them known, but she knows that on any good team, someone has to make the final decisions and plans. She knows that the team members must support the team leader. His plans and decisions or no progress will be made and confusion and frustration will result. I like that. Number three, submission does not mean the wife must obey ungodly counsel. Listen to Ephesians 5.24. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now let me just address this for a moment. It does say to their own husbands. So wife, you don't need to be submissive to some other guy's, you know, woman's husband. But it also here says to your husband in everything. Now we ask the question, does that mean no matter what my husband asks me to do, I have to do it? Well, the answer is yes and no. It is no if your husband asks you to do anything against the teaching of scriptures. You do not have to obey ungodly counsel. If your husband would ask you to do something that is against the teaching of God's word, you are in fact warned not to submit. We must obey God rather than man. Again, Ephesians 5.22 says, Submit as unto the Lord. Colossians 3.18, as fitting for the Lord. So let's say your husband says, Hey, honey, how about you and I go out tonight and rob a bank? Well, honey, I don't want to do that. I, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but, but, but I, I need you to go with me. I need you to help, you know, get in and carry the loot. Well, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Wife, the Bible says, submit to me. You need to do that. Well, it also says it's unto the Lord, and that's not fitting unto the Lord, so I'm not going to do that. It's unbiblical. It's unlawful. 
See, God would never ask you to violate what the Bible teaches in the name of submission. But on the other hand, when it's within reason, you are to submit. The submission being referred to here is in harmony with any submission you would give to the Lord himself. Now, that also doesn't mean that you're only going to submit when your husband is acting like Jesus. Because that may be few and far between. I don't know, depending on your husband. And you are not free to refuse to follow your husband if he's being stupid, only if he's being sinful. I mean, after all, the Lord does call upon us to, to submit to all authority that, that is less than godly at work and in government. So, submission does not mean just for the wife, it's for all believers. Submission does not mean the wife becomes a slave. Submission does not mean the wife must obey ungodly counsel. And finally, D, submission does not mean the wife will never open her mouth, never has an opinion, or never gives advice. Proverbs 31.26 tells us this. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is a law of kindness. I like that. Now, you as a wife, there's nothing wrong with you reminding your husband of his great responsibility of what leadership brings. So when your husband comes home and says, hey, I just was at Sam's Club and they have this 75-inch 4K 3D OLE TV. I sat and watched it for a half hour. It's, it's amazing. And I just, I'm going to go buy it. And you say, well, you know, dear, that we really, we're not in that financial of a position right now and I've been looking it over and really don't have the resources. Maybe we should wait for six months. But it's six months, same as cash. We, we can do it. I'm going to go do it now. Now, honey, I know that God has placed you as the head of this home and we really shouldn't do this. I would say we shouldn't. Well, I'm going to do it. Well, okay, dear. As long as you've prayed about it, you've sought the Lord concerning this. And I know that, that, that one day you are going to have to stand before God Almighty, you know, and to give an account for this decision. And so if this is what you believe is a leading from the Lord as the head of this family, pastor of this home, leader and example to our children, we're all with you. Now, he may storm out of the house, slam a couple of doors and come back. Hey, God told me I can't buy it right now. I don't grumble, grumble. See, wife, there's nothing wrong with you reminding him of his massive responsibility that he has as leadership. There's nothing wrong with you giving him your input, telling him what you think, and you should do that. And husbands, again, you should welcome that. Now, with that said, what should a wife do if she thinks her husband's making a wrong decision? Again, talk to him. Pray for him. Trust God to take care of that. And then let him lead. God will deal with him. Now this brings us to our final point. What submission is. We kind of looked at this already. First and foremost, submission is functional. The word submits to mean arrange under. Again, it's a military word where soldiers were under directions of their officers if there wasn't, the, the, the ranks and the offices within the military would be, be awful. Same way, there has to be submission in the family for the family to function properly. So a wife's submission has to do with function, not value. Again, we looked at this already. Just as Jesus was functionally submitted to the Father, yet equal with the Father, so a wife is functionally subordinate to her husband, yet equal to him. Next, when it comes to submission, it's a wife's responsibility to make herself submissive. Literally, what Paul is saying is submit yourselves. Nowhere is the husband commanded to force his wife into submission. It's arrogant. It's rude. 
but it is the wife's responsibility to obey God's word and make herself submit. Again, the wife's submission is not optional. It's an imperative in, in the Greek, and it means it's a continuous action. In other words, it's not based upon your husband's moods, his likes or dislikes. It's not an option. Yeah, but you don't know my husband, you might say. I'll submit to him when he starts doing what I want him to do. No, you've got to do what God wants you to do first and foremost. And I said with the men, they will follow. See, if you, are, if you as a man are putting God first in everything, if you're loving your wife as Christ of the church, then it's going to be a lot easier for your wife to submit to you as unto the Lord. And in the same sense, if you're submitting to your husband as unto the Lord, then it's going to be a lot easier for him to love you as Christ loved the church. Next, submission is a positive, not a negative concept. It emphasizes what the wife should do rather than what she should not do. I like the way Dr. James Dobson defines submission. He says, it's a freedom to be creative under divinely appointed authority. Submission means that the wife puts, on all, puts all of her talents, abilities, resources, energies at her husband's disposal. Submission means that the wife yields and uses all of her abilities under the management of her husband for the good of her husband and family. And finally, last one, submission enables leadership. It's allowing your husband to take that leadership position in the home. Proverbs twenty one twenty nine tells us, wicked people are stubborn, but good people think carefully about what they do. I think Solomon's admonition can be applied in marriage. A stubborn refusal to submit can close the door of communication and emotional fulfillment. But a loving humility, on the other hand, opens wide those doors. There's a story to, to make this point. Shortly after her marriage to Prince Albert, Queen Victoria had a quarrel with her new husband. Albert walked out of the room and locked himself in his private apartment. Victoria hammered furiously on the door. Who's there, called Albert? The Queen of England. And she demands to be admitted. There was no response and the door remained shut. More fruitless and furious knocking was followed by a pause. Then there was this gentle tap. Who's there? Albert asked. Your wife, Albert. The queen replied. The prince opened the door at once. Wife, remember your calling. Refusal to submit to your husband is rebellion against God himself. See, submission is an act of obedience to Christ. John, John said in, 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 uh, Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you'll love me, keep my commandments. Remember, Paul is giving instructions why we need to be submissive to the husbands. It's fitting to the Lord. One last thing. What if you're married to a non-believer? What if he, your husband's not saved? You know, the Bible even answers that. First Peter 3, verses 1-4. through 4, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be warned by the conduct of their wives. How? When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. I like that. What if he's not saved? Let your life be a witness to him. Let it be submission with a mission. Again, marriage is meant to be a partnership, not a dictatorship. Submission means that the wife willingly makes herself subject to her husband's headship because this was and is and still is God's design for marriage. Finally, I want to close with this. Remember when Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room on the night in which he was betrayed and he took off his outer garment, he got down on his hands and knees and he began to wash 
his disciples' feet. Now, did they deserve that? <laughs> no, far from it. And remember, he even washed Judas Iscariot's feet, who would betray him a few hours later. Jesus gave us the model of submission. Jesus submitted himself. Jesus humbled himself. Who are we to say, I won't submit, I won't submit to anybody? That's out of order. We're called, first and foremost, to submit to God and to one another and to the certain authorities or structures. The person who says, I'm not going to submit, then you're out of order, you're out of God's plan for your life, and it needs to change. Because it all comes back to what we talked about in the beginning of the study. There's this selfish, me-first, what-about-me attitude that's so prevalent in our world today. But it shouldn't be among God's people. We need to stop thinking about ourselves so much and put the needs of our mate first. I'm speaking to all of us. Not just wives, to the husbands. We need to get the order right, put God in the forefront, and your marriage will begin to change immediately. How we need to get back to God's order. May He help us to concentrate specifically on what our role is as a husband or as a wife. Maybe we, maybe we be filled with the Holy Spirit so we have the resources to do this. And may each one of you ladies be the godly wife that the Lord has called you to be. And may you men be ready for next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, uh, what it says to us in the roles in the family relationship. What it says to us, Lord, in, in wanting to help those that may be struggling in their marriage. In their relationship. Lord, we have the answers. It's found in your word. If we would just share it. Or just seek to apply it into our lives, God. Then our marriages would be so much better. So much stronger. Lord, help us not to allow the dictates and the, the ideas of this world to filter into our lives and our marriages. Lord, help us not to, to give out ungodly counsel against your word. But to look to your word for everything that we do. Father, help us all to submit to you first and foremost in every area of our life. To not hold any area of our lives back. And wives, Lord, help them to submit to their husbands. Help the husbands to, to submit to their wives. Submit one to another. And Lord, again, we do pray for our country. Pray for the leadership of our country to make wise decisions. We pray for the rioting and the looting to stop. But more than that, we pray for repentance and revival, Lord. Help our nation, we pray. Help our marriages, we pray. And Lord, finally, if there's anyone that is yet to surrender their heart and life to you, they're not born again. Lord, help them to see their need for you and to get right with you. Lord, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.